Hello and welcome to Not Another Superhero Movie Podcast. I'm Nick, that's Tom, and today we'll be talking about the latest installment in the MCU, Spider-Man Far From Home. Setting the stage for us a little bit, this is the first Marvel movie since the earth-shattering Avengers Endgame finale, which saw the end chapter for many of the heroes that we've come to love. Uh, Biggest among them, and spoiler if you haven't seen Endgame, please see Endgame, is of course Iron Man. Um, His loss plays a big role in this movie uh, right from the start. And, you know, we were definitely, I think the both of us, we were definitely pretty excited to see this movie. We knew we were getting the same cast um, from the Spider-Man Origins movie, from Homecoming. So, you know, Tom Holland is back as Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Zendaya as MJ, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, um, Ned, Peter's best friend, is once again played by uh, Jacob uh, Batalon. And, uh, you know, we got an appearance by Samuel Jackson as, you know, Mr. Intergalactic Spymaster Nick Fury. You know, he's in all the movies, contracting all the movies. Um, and Colby Smulders back too as uh, Maria Hill, his second in command. We also got um, Happy Hogan back. He he was uh, Tony Stark's friend, bodyguard in all the Iron Man movies. So John Favreau, who was the guy in that those movies and has also kind of been like a big director now. He directed Lion King, a bunch of other movies, was back, you know, for an appearance in this one, too, which was pretty cool. And we got, uh, you know, the big uh, the big antagonist, uh, you know, man of mystery in this movie was Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and I think we both agreed he was a pretty solid choice considering they, they had to try to top Michael Keaton in the last Spider-Man, you know, Michael Keaton as the villain Vulture, who was you know, pretty awesome. Um, so, I mean, honestly, all in all, I think it might be one of the best in the series. Uh, it's still out now, you know, for the, for the last week or so, but I, I, I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I think we had, you know, good reactions all around. So with that, Tom... What did you think of Spider-Man? That that this is something that we've talked about. You know, we see a bunch of these movies together, and I'm always, I've always come off more as the Marvel fan of right. the two of us, and I'm more, uh, you know, I'm sure pretty soon people in the comments will be calling me a shill pretty soon. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of the brooding characters of of good DC as well. So Mar- Marvel fan over here, Tom. Right, so so I was and I walked out of the movie and Nick said this is one of the best Marvel movies ever seen, best since the first Avengers. I was I was pleasantly surprised because I thought it also was an amazing movie, as I think most Marvel movies are. Uh, but this movie especially, I thought it was the perfect, I it was the perfect answer to Endgame in in terms of how to respond to it. And we're yeah. gonna get more into that later. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what other superhero, what other brand could have delivered that that end note but but spider-man did it like perfect to a t which is really interesting considering that he wasn't you know this feels like a real ending for the mcu and not you know in perpetuity but the just old mcu for the sure ending of the old mcu and it ends with a character who really hasn't been in the mcu very long because of you know legal problems but and it's it amazing right. yeah and it's amazing that the mcu did such an a great feat in that they they taught us you know the larger audience base to love a bunch of characters that didn't get a lot of love before i mean thor 
um, even Iron Man. Iron Man was not the coolest right. guy going around before, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and everybody. Um, and they they turned those characters into the big stars. And and it's funny that we think of Spider-Man as like a lesser character, even though for years before that he's been he's been like Marvel's favorite character. And now he's finally coming into his own. Well, I, I remember how uh, it's funny. I read on the you know I read an article about Entourage's Aquaman portrayal, and oh, this movie will never make money because it's kind of an unknown character. And they said it's no Spider-Man because that you know if Entourage, gold, yeah. Entourage, they were trying to catch Spider-Man. It's like well, you never catch Spider-Man because that's the money maker, that's the famous character. And here they built this universe where Spider-Man was a late entrance to it, and especially because of the lack of success of the Amazing Spider-Man, this Spider-Man almost comes in as an underdog, and as the second wave in this second wave of heroes, along with Captain Marvel, Black Panther. Yeah. You know, especially you know with the cultural significance of those two, it it does seem a little understated this movie, but I think it just as a movie it works and its place in the universe works. Yeah, I think as a film Spider-Man goes, like I, I hold a good place in my heart for one and two of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans because that was that was the first good movie to be brought to screen, real people and everything. But superhero movie. superhero movie for Spider-Man. Um, but they they did a great job with with this one and they treated you like you already kind of knew the story because you did. They didn't give you another rehash of Uncle Ben and all and you know all of that right. when we started. So you were able to hit the ground running with a character that you knew kind of better than the others, and it, and the whole high school element like is is like fresh for people. I mean, I think, and this is again more of a boon for Spider-Man: Homecoming, the first in this series. But you know, we didn't need to see uh, Uncle Ben get shot by something that was Peter's fault, and you know, we seen we saw that twice in the past ten, you know, twelve years. Yeah, this, we didn't need to see it again. Right, in this movie too, like you, the, the the his friend and the relationship with Aunt May, we just like hit the ground running. It was like, it was almost like it was his third movie not even his second movie because we just kind of know him pretty well yeah the mcu has do, is doing it was really just flexing on people where it's uh where it's pretty much saying listen we're just going to make this movie and we're going to assume that you know these characters already yeah we assume you're going to know these dynamics and it's kind of it is a, it is bold and especially i heard some criticism with endgame over it essentially if you didn't see infinity war i actually went with a couple people who hadn't seen any of the mcu movies and they still liked endgame yeah just as a good they didn't get everything but they thought it was a good movie and i think now Mar- this is true this is just this is the new marvel they expect that you've seen the movies they expect that you know the relationship between right peter parker and tony stark and they really base a large part of this movie on that they respect the intelligence of the audience and they get like right to right. The story. They're not spoon feeding you anything. Right. In this movie. So with that, maybe we should kind of do a, a kind of a quick recap of. Yeah, let's of break. The, let's break down. Let's break down this movie. So yeah. we start with Act One, and this is this is the palate cleanser portion. This mm-hmm. is the uh, this is the sorbet after dinner. Right. For you know another the, course. The dinner of Endgame. Right. And yeah. Boy, was that a meal. Oh, Endgame was so. He- Endgame was like this rich Italian or heavy gravy sauce. Oh man. Yeah. Endgame, you're sitting at the table, you need to unbuckle your belt, open your, your button, and then this this comes along, and especially this first act, was, uh, it was just delightfully refreshing. Yes. It was like, ah, kids again, fun, high school drama, you know, European vacation, love it. So we start with, we start with a, a really funny, 
very weird when you first watch it because it zooms in and it's an in memoriam for Tony Stark. <laughs> I and, loved it. And I, for the other, and it was just very strange. I, it, I picked up early that where it was going. I think you picked it, it up great. a little earlier than me because you started laughing and I, I was more like, <laughs> what is going on? I was more confused because I was like, what is going on? It's, there's, uh, what song, what song was playing? Uh, it was Whitney Houston. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was very over the top song. Yeah, and it was great. I, I will it always was, love you. It was bodyguard, yeah. And it was everything was it just zoom ins on. It was Stark it was like it was like Scott you know Wera. your screensaver, um, Black Widow screensaver slideshow of everyone where the pop ins and I, I like I kind of figured that it was it was one of the kids. And they zoom out. And and yeah. It is in fact. And, uh, it, and it's the school high school news. announcements memoriam for um. Which is just perfect. And I actually thought it worked really well how they, again, it's an exposition dump, but because they had that comedy in the beginning and it works really well with right. just explaining how, uh, you know, the size of the school essentially is the same because the people that stayed moved on grades. The people yeah. that stayed behind actually, you know, right. they, um, so because it's 50, they're, they're 50, coming back right to school. They're coming back right to school, right at the age they left off. And all these people who were younger when they got snapped or the blip, as they call it in this movie, they they got brought back. Which thankfully is both Spider Man and his friends and MJ. Yeah, Spider Man's really lucky. All of his friends MJ, got snapped away. MJ being like twenty two or twenty three would be a real be a bummer. Bit, that would be an awkward conversation. Yeah, it'd be a real bummer for Tom Holland to come yeah. back. I really like I really like MJ and it's like, oh you're it's actually like, Oh, uh, you graduated college and you're starting you're, an office job. Great. Yeah, you're dating adults now, yeah. not not kids. I in can't compete with that. Yeah, so, although they do have a little joke about um, somebody who's laid back. Sta- yeah, one of the kids drinking. Back. One of the kids drinking alcohol in the uh, on right, the plane because right. his ID says he's twenty two. The school bully <laughs> who loves Spider Man but hates Peter Parker, which is a great trope. Oh, they, they keep that going. Yeah, yeah, it's different so, Flash Thompson, but still. Uh, right. They, that's an essential aspect of that character, it seems. Yeah, <laughs> the douchiness remains. Um, yeah, so Act One it just keeps the levity going. Um, they they introduced the Nick Fury wants to talk to you, but Spider Man you know calm coolly brushes it off. They give us they they introduce a little bit of um, Happy and uh, Aunt May, Aunt May potential right. romance, yeah, which well, is just you know more good, of the good fun. For, good for Happy. More of the fun, more of the levity. Yeah, you things know, have really gone up for him. Yeah, you in, know a little certain even glances. even with the loss of Tony Stark. So I mean, he trades in Tony Stark for Marissa Tomei. That's not, yeah, it's not a right. horrible trade for him. Right, he's it's, he's, it, he's, go, he's okay. It's not like John Favreau was like a major producer on this and wanted to <laughs> have a relationship with uh, you know Mar- Marissa Tomei no, on screen course, or anything. Of course not. Definitely, he not. definitely wouldn't have you know he would never engineered that. that for himself. No, of course. Um, but, but yeah, so Act One levity fine. We get you know and then. Towards the end of Act One, Spider-Man is brought into the the intrigues that are going on because they're going on this European vacation, right? Um, which is all fun and games, and and they're going to first stop is Venice. Mister um, Venice, he makes the decision to leave behind his iron, especially the he leaves behind the iron both his Iron Man suits, the Iron Spider, and the suit from Homecoming. Right. Uh, the Iron Spider is not really featured in this movie at all. Yeah. Other than in one scene in the beginning of the movie uh, where it really doesn't even do anything. It, opens the, cur- it opens the curtains yeah, to so the fundraiser cool that he's at. So he can yeah. walk out and yeah. you know, it, it basically makes it easier for him to turn on and off his mask. That's really what the Iron Spider is there for. Right. But, but they, so anyway, they get to Venice. He has no suits behind. Luck, fortunately, Aunt May 
a nice a nice funny bit with the TSA or uh, cust- yeah, customs. Yeah, worried about it. You know, they they open the suitcase, the Spider-Man suits there, and yeah, they just brush right by and find yeah. a banana. Right. No, that's yeah, you they, can't bring you can't the bring customs. This. And then he's in Venice, and Venice is fun. Uh, you know, the whole time he's trying to get close to MJ, have this love triangle thing going, which is right. light. Um, the friend finds a girlfriend, which is hilarious. Um, the preppy girl, and then after you know, after it, claiming wanting a bachelor, uh, boys week boys week in uh, in Venice, yeah, in Europe, yeah, and his buddy gives up on that right. And by the end of the flight, oh, we're in, when I fell in love, when yeah, the worst third wheel situation he could have. So this thing, so the thing about Act One in general is that. I would say it really picks up where where Spider-Man Homecoming leaves off Mm -hmm. because Homecoming is just a, it's a superhero movie, but it's more of a teen movie. Yeah. And it's a teen comedy. Right. And this, and Act One is, it's a teen comedy. You got the dynamics, you got the cool, the cool popular guy likes the same girl that you like and it's it's that whole thing. It's the best friend. Maybe he finds a relationship. He's no longer there for you as much. There's a lot of these tropes that are, it's, you know, the goofy teachers who, who are pretty good in this movie. It's there are a lot of those kind of aspects, and and you, know, you won't really see Spider-Man be Spider-Man in this first act until the very tail end, as we shift right. more into Act Two. Right. So Act Two brings us to the introduction of this plot, the Elementals. So we see, you know, we briefly in Act One, we have a we have a scene of Nick Fury looking after the fact of the damage caused by these supposed monsters and then in act two we actually see it us the audience for the first time and so does peter parker um venice gets attacked by this water monster that comes out of nowhere wrecks the canal water with the face right peter is there doesn't have his suit so he kind of makeshifts with a carnival mask which is which is a great you know, a little moment, and he's he's, he's doing his and... best to hold historic Venice together while everyone else runs for cover, and out of nowhere comes Mysterio. Mysterio flying around, shooting his green, his green energy at right. at the monster. He's he wants to draw it away from the canals. Him and Spider-Man bring the it really destroys a, a large portion of Venice as it's yeah. kind of moving through the canals. Poor historic Rialto Bridge got wrecked right in the middle by this right, thing. Right, and it destroys this tower and of course, you know, it's kinda of following the kids around and uh, eventually they get it into this plaza where it can't draw any more water and Mysterio is able to take it out. Right. And that was the first that's when we get introduced to Elementals and the We get introduced to Mysterio. And Mysterio. Yeah. And then soon after that, um you know, Nick Fury finds his way to finally talk to Spider-Man, does a trank dart of the friend, and brings him into the to the secret Venice base right. where he, you know, meets up with Fury. I don't think he's met Nick Fury before. Not officially. They even joke. Yeah. They even joke about how they were at the funeral together, but maybe it wasn't the most appropriate time. Right. To to talk and to exchange contact information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, the word contact information. Um. And so, you know, he meets Fury. He meets Anita Hill, and he meets Mysterio. Um. You know, Beck. Right, who's portrayed as a someone from an alternate universe, from a different uh, version of Earth. And right. Him and Peter share a nice moment where they both are geeking out about the uh, the complications of multiverse theory. Right. And we learned about multiverse two ways as an MCU fan. We learned about it quickly from Avengers Endgame. Right. Um, we were warned by the Sorcerer Supreme about the 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 impact of leaving the Infinity Stones out. And um, 
they also touched upon it in the the more at the, the animated uh enter the spider-verse movie right too which, which was kind exactly of a side thing canon? from mcu yeah i don't know if it's entirely canon but they talked about it was the same concept like a, a different attempt of technology and this the plot of that movie which is a whole nother story brought multiple earths together with different versions of spider-man so so we as fans have heard a little bit about multiverse again marvel assumes that we understand what, what a multiverse is which is great right and it's really just one sentence from mysterio i'm for, you're from earth 616 i'm from earth 83 whatever yeah and uh my earth was destroyed by these elemental creatures there are four of them and his he's really efficient. Mysterio is really efficient at this exposition. Yeah. Because he just kind of powers through. He's like, okay, we, yeah, he's, I killed three of them. He's pretty left. good at this speech. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he rehearsed it or something. Right. Right. But uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. So we meet Mysterio. Seems like a cool guy. There's also a moment of, you know, him sticking up for Spider-Man, saying like, yeah, that's great that you know your your science. There's a pre- uh, we see a little bit of an appreciation of that intellectual Don't be afraid curiosity. to be the smartest guy in the room. Yes, that was the one. Exactly. Uh, and there, there's, it seems that you know, Mysterio always kind of already had respect for Spider-Man, the superhero, based on how he was able to keep up with the, with the water monster. But now yeah. he gets, he gets more respect for Peter Parker, the individual. Right. Right. As, as, and the intellect. Right. More so than anything. And then the other key plot point is that now Spider-Man is on board with. Uh, trying to stop these monsters right um they tell him well he's somewhat on board they tell him that he's that the next one is in prague mm-hmm. it's going to happen like it did on this alternate earth and he actually you know he, he knows what's going on now but he he initially walks away from that he's like i don't want to be part of um this i want to live a normal life which is a big theme in this movie that we'll, we'll kind of talk about throughout right is, is spider-man trying to reject the superhero mantle, especially with all the Iron Man pressure. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit. That's kind of been his arc, his main overall, overarching arc in these, in the, in the Spider-Man MCU movies, uh, has been his conflict about whether he's a true superhero, whether he's a local superhero. Does he want to be a superhero at all? Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in Homecoming, it starts where he wants, he wants to be an Avenger. He wants the grand plan. Tony Stark said, "You're not ready for it. You bit off more than you can chew." He accepts it, becomes the local neighborhood Spider-Man. He fights the Vulture without any of the tech, without any of the and help. Saves the day and for saves the day. And saves the day, and ends up saving the day in a much grander scale than even he meant to. And then, right. and then it turns out that he is ready for something. And then you go, to, you shift to Infinity War, uh, and it turns out that he he has the line that you can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's no neighborhood. Yeah. Which implies that he's ready. He's ready for the next stage. He's ready for these world-saving events. But unfortunately, he got his butt kicked by Thanos, and now he's not—he's no longer sure about that. And his mentor died in the process. And Tony Stark died, right? Yeah. So he's this is this is not a confident Spider-Man. Pers- you know, this is not a confident Peter Parker, and it's not a confident Spider-Man. This is one he wants to. Now he's definitely in the start of this movie. He's shifted away from. I want to be a superhero. I want to be an Avenger. Mm-hmm. It's now it's pure. He wants to be Peter Parker. He, yeah. You know, Spider-Man is something that is part of him, and he has to be. But he doesn't want to be. He wants to do. He wants to do Spider-Man things in between classes. Yeah, he's not comfortable with the limelight, even when there's not danger on the line at this exactly. point. Exactly. Um, so he initially rejects it, but Nick Fury, being Nick Fury, doesn't take no for an answer, 
you know, engineers, engineers away, you know, a lot of times, and the a couple times they do this plot device where all of a sudden the, the high school trip is redirected to where Spider-Man needs to it's be, been up, which is, it's which been is up, great. It's been we upgraded. appreciate it. Right. <laughs> all these upgrades conveniently allow Peter Parker to be right where Nick Fury needs him. So all of a sudden the trip is on the way to Prague well, and he's going to Prague. That first reveal was one of the, I thought one of the funnier parts in the movie where, you know, they, they come out and Peter Parker's like, all right, we're going to Paris. Yeah. He's going to to declare his love, love for MJ in Paris. On the Eiffel Tower. They go out, the teacher's, <laughs> all, the teacher's all excited saying, guys, I got us an upgrade. We're going to Prague. And in the bus is this like really scary looking guy. Yeah, he's this was, Eastern European dude that we met for two seconds in Nick Fury's lair. That's part of Nick Fury's crew. He's like yeah. clearly like an assassin or something. He's like the assassin. Holding the sign that says like middle high school or whatever, whatever yeah. high school they're from. Right, this is And great. this is the, this is the, they just should, pans back to, to uh, Tom Holland and they're just like, oh, like, I love this. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was great. Um, then, you know, uh, Peter Parker checks out, um, some stuff that, um, Tony Stark left for him, the, the glasses and he, and the big, then we, big, big plot point. We were, we discovered that the glasses are not just his cool sunglasses. They are the keys to keys to the car. Keys to the car, which Forever. is Tony Stark's suite of equipment, you know, legacy, satellites, intelligence, maybe money, you know, who knows? Like, like you can be, so you have all the resources of Tony Stark out of these glasses. And the note even says, for the next Tony Stark. Yeah. So implying that not just the next Iron Man, but the next Tony Stark, it's, it's everything with these glasses. Right. And in doing so, again, we get a nice scene where he almost blows up. Uh, he blow, he blows up his his love interest rival, the 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 old the overaged high schooler. Right. I think, yeah. I think that guy has played like a forty year old in movies before. But yeah. I guess he's you know playing a sixteen year old. It works. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it works. They de-aged him a little bit, I think. Right. So he bar- he barely avoids um, blowing, blowing up the that guy up or the whole bus. Picture. Right. But he does event he does end up not killing anyone, and. Uh, which is good in, in your heroes. I mean, I know yeah, you're DC. Yeah, right, but... right. I pre- I'm not as I'm not a Snyder man, so you're... I like it when my superheroes don't intentionally intentionally kill people. Kill people. Yeah, that was a I, it's good nice. thing for Spider-Man. It's nice. Um, uh, so yeah, Spider-Man preserves that, and they're on the way to Prague, and then they go to Prague. Right, they go to Prague, and Prague is the set of of what they what they hype up as the climactic battle of the movie. Yeah. There are four elementals. Mysterio has taken out three of them. Pretty much himself. Yeah. Obviously got a little bit of help from Spider-Man, but not really. Right. He didn't Fight. destroy the monster. He just kind of took him out of the way and right and such. And just basically like helps maybe save some individuals by holding the tower until they can get out of the way. Right. Uh, but but now they're facing the most powerful of the elementals. If it touches metal, it can fuse with metal. Yeah. We're dealing with fire, the element. And if it gets big enough, then eventually it can go down to the Earth's core. And what we're told is draw power from the Earth's core, and the second it does that, then it'll be way too powerful to ever stop. So right. you have to stop it when it's a little baby elemental, right? Right, now. right. So, so that's what they're ready for. They even know that it's going to be in Prague, and so, you know, once the the trip is redirected, you know, Spider-Man Peter Parker's on board with being the scout. He's going to find he's going to find the elemental, the fire element as soon as it appears. He's going to he's going to call them. He's going to get Mysterio, and then him and Mysterio are going to take him out. There's actually kind of a problem I have in this movie of why they why they what they need Peter Parker for here. His role as a scout seems kind of kind of stupid because one they because because the attacks in this world allegedly 
in World 616, where we're in, are mirroring the attacks from Jake from Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio's world. Yeah. So they know exactly where it's going to be. Right. And they have already said this monster is coming in 48 hours. They know the time. Yeah. Uh, Maria Hill's got the EMP thing, so they pretty much know. Like Spider-Man's literally like he's here one second before in screen time. Maria Hill's like he's coming, so they know. I just I get you. You under, I understand you need to have Spider-Man there for the plot. But I think they could have had Spider-Man there for a different reason other than just to be a scout. Well, I think part of that is is also, I think Shield is gone. Like I I don't think Nick Fury or Shield or Anita Hill have any of the resources or authority that they had. And That's it, true. there's no like, there was some there was a scene in Avengers and where they had like a World Council of Leaders. I don't think that's the situation anymore, because they had that line that they, that the city of Prague wouldn't agree to evacuate. So it seems like they don't have the authority that they used to have. Like maybe they, you know they have some dedicated people, but they don't they don't have the, they, the they geopolitical sway. They can't just to. press the button and and everybody moves right. as much. So I guess. That's why they're strapped and they're and they're they're trying to get Spider-Man on board. So but again, it did just seem like a little bit of a waste he, for Spider-Man. Right. He's when, he's not actually you know the way these monsters are set up, it doesn't seem like he has any powers to actually defeat them. No, he's he's kind of outclassed in terms of he does do some damage because he if you throw earth at this monster, it helps. I guess. Yeah, even and, it draws and they power all like opened a, a a fire hydrant, but he's not. Yeah. It, he, it hurts him a little bit. Right. But but essentially. You know, and it's, unless they again, had, you know, X Men, Iceman. Yeah. I don't think they had anybody who was. You're really, you was really a, set up. I don't know. You need a scout for this guy because he's a gigant. He's a he's a 80 foot tall fire monster. Right. Like it kind of is kind of viewable, pretty much probably from anywhere in the city. Yeah. So, again, that nitpicking aside from whether we he needed to be a scout. Spider-Man's there and Mysterio's there. Right. And, and then and they then, start fighting the fire monster. Right. Fire monster appears in this main square. They battle, you know, for some contrived reason his friend and new girlfriend and uh, Zendaya MJ are all in the plaza. Right. So now right. he's got this extra thing to worry about. It's not just keep the fire monster away from growing. It's I got to save my friends, I got to save MJ. Right. Um, so they managed to do it. And and uh, Mysterio is battling this guy, and it's difficult. It, it's going on. Um, then you know, right before the, there's a moment when Mysterio is like, I don't know if I'm gonna survive this, and he like does this supercharged attack. But right before that is the first clue about the shoe dropping in this movie, which is there's a spider web that right. hits an invisible object, right, and causes something to fly off and then it's like a metallic object landing in the alleyway where MJ is and we and don't they, see anything more of it and they ends it and Zendaya MJ picks it up and and keeps it right so so that's like the first what's going on here that's not lava which i think you caught on to right away right see i when i saw that i just thought that it had the webbing so that would make MJ figure out who Spider-Man was. Yeah, I was thinking a different reason. I was like, this is about which you were on target with. Yeah, it was it was breaking the the illusion. Right. So so right before, uh, basically the fire monster eats a piece of metal. Yeah. And then it's about to eat another a big Ferris wheel which, with his friend on it. With his friend yeah. on it, and apparently if it eats this piece of metal, it'll then be big enough to be unstoppable. Be able right. to tap into the Earth's core. Can't be stopped. Mysterio 
says, all right, I'm going to do it. I should have done this the first time. Charges up, green power all over him. And goes and pretty much punches the fire monster in the face. Yeah. And fire Which monster destroys the fire turns monster. Turns green, you know, boom, blows up, destroys it. Right. Mysterio, Mysterio is on the ground, beaten up, haggard, wounded. But, but not dead. He's alive. Yeah. You know, scratched up a little bit, but he's right. pretty much fine. So... So then him and, you know, then then him and uh, Spider-Man are grabbing a drink after this. Peter Peter Parker grabbing a drink after this. Right, they so go to... He, Mysterio insists on celebrating. They go to celebrate. They, Peter Parker's drinking some lemonade. They're talking about responsibility. They're talking about Peter's really talking about his frustration with this whole thing. How he just wanted to be on, wanted to be on vacation. He wanted to kiss the girl he liked. He wanted right. to, to hang out. He didn't want to be... He doesn't want to be an Avenger anymore, essentially. Right. And he doesn't want, or, and he also doesn't want to be the Avenger. Yeah. All this power that comes with these glasses, these this responsibility, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and he doesn't want either. Right. Right now. He's he's a sixteen year old kid, given the keys to the castle, and he's like, this is too much for me, and and he bonds a bit with Mysterio a bit more, um, and he's very, you know, Mysterio is obviously very friendly to, the suggestion of, you know. Yeah, you can you can live a normal life. Well, who says you need to listen to, um, yeah, the ghost of Tony Ant- Stark, the ghost or, of Tony Stark, or Nick Fury, or any of that. Right, you're and, your own person. And and Peter Parker himself, then has the the added idea of well, maybe I don't need to be super. Maybe this is yeah, this is something to talk about. Well, we're gonna talk about this later because yeah. I have a lot of problems with the scene. Right, but, right. He Peter then inspired to say though well. Maybe I'm not the, even the right person for it. Maybe you are. You, the the soldier from another world who saved us from these elementals. Right. I met you for ten seconds here. Right. Here. And he hands here's, over. Here's Tony Stark's legacy. Here's everything. And he hands over the keys. He hands over the glasses to Mysterio. And and then, and then leaves the bar. And then Mysterio's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "Yes, confirmed." Yeah. And Mysterio leaves. And then. Well, yeah, no, Peter, Peter Peter leaves. Peter leaves to go meet MJ. And then the twist. Yeah, the snap. And all of a sudden, half the people in the bar disappear into this blue techno mist. Right. The illusion, the illusion of these of these drones, this augmented reality that, uh, as we learn from Mysterio's great expository speech, where he tells these people that who already know. Right. Uh, <laughs> that it's his invention. So Mysterio invention. reveals that the elementals are his plot. Um, the whole Mysterio persona is his plot to gain power, to gain wealth. He does, wealth, he does mention that Stark Industries rich. legacy, I right. guess, um, and gives us gives the audience helpful expository dialogue, maybe too helpful. It's a little on the nose. Yeah. Um, it does, I think, solve one of the bigger bigger unsolved questions of the MCU is that uh, Tony the, Tony in Iron Man three, Tony Stark's his augmented reality and it's so real it's so lifelike you get to yeah. live in it right they never touch on that again and this, this brings it back up in a major way yeah this is when he relives the moment i think this is civil war he relives the civil, moment right. of war. the last civil time he met his parents and uh you know we see a younger tony stark which is cool and all of that this is the explanation for it, it was actually uh mysterio's design 
Right, and then Mysterio goes to all his cronies, and each one is responsible for a different part of his plan. Right. You get a little bit of an introduction to who the bad guys are, and a bit with... Yeah, we get... Well, a, essentially a dry cleaner, What's but, amazing is we get names for all of them. Like, they're not red shirts, which is interesting. Which I kind of like, and I think it makes... Yeah. It may because it, it's so expo- it's so expository, but I think the fact that he does like give credit to some of these people and they get faces and they get names, makes it a little bit more bearable because because it makes it, it makes it a little bit less just pure expository and more like a, a little bit more of a genuine moment. Yeah, and he's toasting to each of these individuals. And it allows humor later on. Like sometimes there's some there's some humorous like vanity moments. Yeah, like, that wouldn't still want the cape, Janice. That that wouldn't work if you hadn't met these people and and given names to them. Right. It also makes a lot more sense because, I, like most villains, like Mysterio, I think has been a loner. Like you know, we'll talk about it later, but like he's been a loner. It's 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 much more plausible that he has a team, building this right this yeah, illusion and, with him. His motivations are a little unclear in this movie, uh, because he does mention it's clear he, it's a little bit unclear what exactly he wants. He in his grand villain speech, he mentions revenge or getting credit that he thinks he was that he thinks he deserves right uh that because he was fired after this augmented reality he talks about reputation he talks about money that they're all they're all going to be rich but they have to be at least some level of rich already to be able to do what they're currently doing yeah uh he talks about obviously power getting the edith classes he talks about and then he talks about being the next iron man uh for a reason that almost he spins it almost in a benevolent way that Tony Stark being the, you know, genius billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Yes. Uh, that he was and, you know, drunken man-child as um, Mysterio frames him, wasn't responsible enough to have all this power. That Mysterio will be almost in a more responsible wielder of this power. But in order to get there, he needs to kill millions of people. He needs to know or, or at least level. at least anybody who knows about it you know the story right i think that's a little inconsistent with what he wants i think again we'll talk about i think how mysterio could, could even though mysterio is really yeah. good i think he wants well he's a great villain core of it is at least he wants fame definitely wants and fame. he wants to be adored and and maybe the wealth to go with it um he wants he wants to be tony stark i think that's what he R- wants right and i think we could have maybe movie could have served benefiting uh more into the it's almost like the duality of tony stark to all the all the things that make tony stark tony stark if they were twisted just a little bit right you could end up with a mysterio type character yeah if it, the only thing that tony stark didn't do is he didn't do all this malicious stuff to get there but right. part for part of the time early time that tony stark was iron man he was kind of like what mysterio wants to be he, right. You know, he was he was he was enjoying it. So that I think that's what Mysterio is going for. Do you think they, this would have been more believable if this movie took place almost before Iron Man two, or maybe right or before the Avengers, when when Iron Man really was the drunken man child? Because like it's a little weird now because based on you know the in memoriam we get the real and the, there are pictures of Iron Man everywhere, even in the airport. Yeah. They're on buildings in Venice. Get the real sense of Iron Man's viewed as this flawless hero, and he right. sacrificed himself, and we don't get any real response to that by these guys. They're t- they're talking about, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009 Iron Man, and Tony Stark. They're not talking about 2023 Iron Man. Those 15 years, you know. I, mean? I, I agree, and 
it's also interesting that the implication is that Mysterio is fired. You know, I'm sure there's more to that story. Fired around the time of when Tony Stark reveals the virtual reality technology, which he he jokingly nicknamed BARF, BARF. Right. Um, and that's Civil War. That's mm-hmm. already a philosophical Iron Man struggling with the weight of being a superhero and collateral damage and all of these things. Exactly. Um, so it's interesting to think about him as the playboy Iron Man because that, that already happened even before he was presumably fired. Um, but, you know, the prior, the prior, you know, there's, there's something more to that. Maybe they could have explored a different, a misinterpretation on his part or something. Yeah. And how he was fired because when they had the, the prior, the prior Spider-Man villain, of the vulture you know he had an axe to grind against iron man too because iron man founded that whole organization of the cleanup of new york right it took it away that, from that that screwed over the vulture character and that's where he had an axe to grind even though he was doing good things so right. there may have been some kind of misunderstanding there that they didn't explore right but look, it, again even even for all the exposition we got i'm not sure how much of it actually was he, he try, again, they, they toe this line of trying to be, and we talked about it a little bit in Aquaman too, and it's funny, and these movies are, it's a wildly different movie than Aquaman, but the same thing about the villain, like almost halfway making this argument of, I can do real good, yeah. I may need to do bad things to right. do real good, You're talking but about I like can Ocean do real Master, good. Yeah. Talking about the Ocean Master, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's the same thing here, where he's talking about how irresponsible Tony Stark was, but that's not the Tony Stark that we've seen in not in Infinity War, not certainly not in Endgame. Right. So the last couple iterations we've seen of Tony Stark has been the exact opposite of what this guy portrays Tony Stark as. And it's not like nobody knows what Tony Stark did in Endgame. Yeah. It's not. It's not that. Oh, he was. You know, no, the word didn't get out. They decided to keep his keep it secret. People know that he's the hero. Yeah. He's he's the guy. So it that part is a little. Again, it's a disconnect. Okay, so that's the that's the betrayal. Right, that's a betrayal. That's revealed. That and that's Act Two. We're like, and there's an oh shit moment by, by Spider-Man about when he the the last part of that is that Spider-Man figures out the plot because they MJ brings him the, um, one of the devices that's used to create the illusion sees the illusion realizes that now everybody knows what the stakes of what's going on. So I really like. I really like this part of the movie because it's the nadir of Spider. It's the nadir, you know, the classic Act Two, end of Act Two is supposed to be the nadir of the character in the movie, uh-huh. and then they start to rise in Act Three. Uh, so maybe you know this part is the kind of the beginning of the nadir because for both Peter Parker and for Spider-Man, for Spider-Man he obviously he knows now that it was all fake yeah. because you can see Mysterio how Mysterio was doing it with droids, and. He, so he knows he gave away this, these glasses and gave away this power to to a bad guy or at least a guy who was lying to him and yeah. probably doesn't have good intentions. And also he has this conversation with MJ where MJ says says that she was only staring at him and, and basically says she doesn't like him. She just thought he was Spider-Man, Spider-Man. and that's why she was interested in him. Uh, it turns out, you know, just classic teen miss. Teen, you know, it's it's a teen right. movie. It's a teen movie, so it's a classic teen movie where there's a miscommunication between the two love interests. But it really is like I like the symmetry between it. It's a, it's the it, you have this big negative yeah. moment for Spider-Man, but it's also Peter Parker. His personal 
and professional life are at an all-time low. Yeah, they're both in the toilet right now. Yeah. So now we go more also towards the end of, dive into the end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3, we have this real down moment for the character, and that's when he probably, when he fights Mysterio in all Mysterio's glory for the first time. Right. He thinks that he's going to meet um, Nick Fury in person and warn him because he knows about that he can hack the technology and all that. But what he actually finds is a Mysterio trap. And now he's faced with Mysterio and his full force and all of his illusions. And he's 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 outmatched. And it's really funny that you brought up Into the Spider-Verse before. Because that's what the visuals in this movie reminded me of. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously the visual, it won, I think it won you know, an Oscar for it. Yeah. For its digi- but the visuals in this movie when he's falling in the glass and the Tony Stark robot. Yeah. Uh, zombie. And... All, everything in this fight, what's fake, what's real, it's a it's a crazy aesthetic. It's very Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's weird in the Spider-Man movie. That's you know neighborhood, but it kind of works because it's disorient. It's just so disorienting for the viewer, but that matches because it's supposed to be disorienting for Peter also. Yeah, and I have so much yeah about this as as like kind of a favorite moment of mine too, um, but I I think it worked pretty well. Right, so we'll talk about that more yeah. more in, in our favorite section. Uh, so now he what what happens is that he figures out uh, figures out that it's kind of faked, but he's again he's not sure what's real. He's really stumbling along. He finally thinks, but he finally thinks that it's over. He sees he sees Jake Gyllenhaal get shot by Nick Fury. Right. He's relieved. And he's like, ah. Oh. And and you know Nick Fury asks him innocently enough, who else? knows so that we can protect them yeah and then he gives up the keys to his friends and mj so i told them and then uh you do the little flicker blue thing again and the illusion is not over and nick fury turned out to be jake gyllenhaal and yeah thank you you're so gullible yeah you you idiot the, the nadir continues he's he's coming back but it's slow and then he gets hit by a train and he gets hit by a train <laughs> that sends him all the way to den uh, netherlands he gets hit by a train. He climbs up. Spider-Man's really... They did a good job of showing in this movie how strong Spider-Man is. Right, because he really is. Like, comic books give incredible strength to him, and they use it. And he does it a little bit in Homecoming when he lifts the building up in that great scene. But in this movie, like, him holding the tower, he's got a lot... He's more than a... In, kind of in Endgame and Infinity War, he's just more of a gymnast than anything. Yeah. But in this movie, he re- he really has some feats of strength. And... He's supposed to be like ten thousand times stronger than his body weight or something like that. So, right. So he's supposed to be able to do it if he really tries. So he gets hit by the train and he he's he's wounded, but he's pretty fine and he's able to climb up, sit in the train, but then, you know, he needs to take a nap after that. Right. <laughs> then he wakes up in a Dutch prison which is like the nicest place ever and now we're and in the nicest now we're in act three. prison people and yeah he's in act three so he's got to figure out what the heck happened um so act three is mysterio trying to execute the last phase of his plan which is twofold one he thinks that spider-man is dead and two he wants to get nick fury out of the way right because nick fury is just naturally suspicious and He's got his own spy world, and and he can't have that. So it's he's a, gonna. It's a loose end. He calls it right. a loose end. So he's gonna he's gonna on the Nick Fury front and the Fame front, he's gonna kill two birds with one stone, and have a big attack in London, that um, shows off his hero skills and makes him the greatest superhero, greatest Avenger, 
And while that's going on, he's going to kill Nick Fury. Right. And so and he's going to also dispose of the kids that know his secret. Right. So in in all the, in the, he's going to uh, he's going to wrap everything up with a nice bow, and he is going to be the new Iron Man. Right. He's has a line about he's an Avengers level threat. He'll in a couple hours he'll be meeting with the Queen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the comedy bent. the comedy works here, where where in a less well executed movie it would be too dark to bring it up. But right. it, but but Mysterio's vanity is just hilarious. And that's and that's present throughout. That he he clearly again it shows it goes to his mismatched motivations, but he does he does care, and it's clear throughout he cares about him. Yes. A whole lot. Yes. And he does have the. Er- he toasted to himself in he, front of everyone. He does have the early two thousands, uh, Tony or like the mid two thousand Tony Stark bravado yeah and, and cockiness right and even when he yeah even when he was toasting he, he embraces the name mysterio doesn't come up with that he just likes the way it, it likes likes the way it sounds right that's what people started calling him and he likes it and uh yeah he he thinks he's gonna meet the queen i think he's is it victoria veronica veronica <laughs> i thought it was was it janice that janice did, that did the cleaning yes one of these hard-working scientists is responsible for cleaning his cape so that he can meet the queen in style which is just amazing <clears throat> it, it's a great levity moment but this is yeah this is the plot that he's going to have this attack on london that he's going to save but He's he's already decided the casualties that it'll have and all of this stuff too. So he needs he needs a, a big enough threat to make him famous, essentially famous. And in order to make him famous, he needs to kill a whole bunch of people so that by saving, essentially by killing a whole bunch of people who make the threat seem legitimate enough that it was a world-ending threat, and he'll be deemed to have saved the remainder of humanity. Yeah, he said the 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 classically dark nihilistic line: "The more casualties, the better." Which was which which was rough. Yeah, again, it, it's hard to. He's a likable, affable guy, and then he, again, a little bit motivations. Yeah, yeah. but we get we get where he's coming from. So this is what's going on. What he doesn't know, Spider-Man's still alive. Spider-Man's coming for him. Doesn't know Spider-Man's still alive at this yeah. point. Right. But he, but Spider-Man comes in. You have a cool scene where, see, I think this is a good job by this movie of showing that Spider-Man is smart, because. Homecoming does it well too, obviously with the academic uh, academic trivia contest that they are that they're in, and this movie it's a science trip allegedly that they're on, although they, there's really no there's science, no science. Involved. Yeah. But it's a science trip. Uh, it's said a couple times. He has the multiverse techno babble that only Mysterio really understands. He has, uh, and he has this scene where he's essentially designing this suit, and he's he looks like Tony Stark. Right. He he's called he called Happy out. to get the jet. And he's flying to London, and he's pulled everything up. And, and it's essentially like the scene of Tony Stark uh, building the time machine from Endgame, where he's pulling out components and tweaking them by 25% and doing mm-hmm. this. And, yeah. and it's very reminiscent of that. And it does, Because I think in, in Endgame and Infinity War, the last two, those are the last two movies we've seen Tom Holland in, he's been kind of just like a quippy guy and mm-hmm. sidekick to Tony mm-hmm. Stark and he plays the young foil and his intellect is kind of downplayed especially compared to Tony Stark's right and this movie does a good job of almost reestablishing that he's a really smart guy in his own right right uh so that's here he builds the suit he and gets he looks, a new suit he looks like Tony Stark he builds the cool suit he's ready to go he's gonna land and his plan is that he's going to destroy the illusion right off the bat and kind of sneak in and it he's going to off his into game. the droids, and that way he's going to deprogram them, electrocute them, and short out 
the illusion so right. that people know he's kind of fighting a nothing thing. A key part of this, which we didn't mention earlier, is recurring theme of of developing his spidey sense. Right. Yes. Um, and which they they beautifully, jokingly called the Peter Tingle. <laughs> right. And it's one of these things that like people in superhero <laughs> movies like they often call they call things what they were called in the comics. Yeah. And everybody knows it's oh it's his spider sense. Spider sense. What they call it yeah. In the, everything. the lightning bolts coming out of his head that lets him dodge bullets. Cool. Yeah. But why why would uh why would anyone think to call it that? Right. You know, so it's really because cause it's not like a famous ability of his yet. Yes. You kind of see it a little bit in Infinity War when his hair stands up and the aliens invade. Yes. And uh, you see it a little bit, but it's clearly not well developed, and it's really not well developed until the end of this movie, mm-hmm. um, when he fights Mysterio again in the illusion world. Right. So, so that will come up later on, and that's part of his plan is that he thinks he can, he can avoid. He's he wants to destroy the illusions, but if there are illusions around him. He's going to try to avoid avoid them and work through them by using that spider sense. It's a classic movie trope of, hey, you faced this guy five minutes ago. You got completely destroyed. What's different? Yeah, you need to oh, look... Oh, but now I know. Even you need to look no, deep within. Now, oh, I just need to harness this thing that, theoretically, nothing has... Re- like, no time has passed. He never trained. Right. But he'll be able to harness it this time. He does have a dope suit, though. That he helps. does work on a... It's a nice suit. It's a dope suit. I think it looks better than the Iron Spider suit. Yeah, it does. It's sleek. It's it's great. Um, it's so like, it's darker too. It's got like black instead of like or a very dark blue, rather than the lighter blue of the traditional Spider-Man. I like it. Yeah, nice this, suit. this is Spider-Man working for Shield basically. So he he goes in. Um, he the, we have this big illusion that's destroying the the uh, London Bridge, and around the Tower of London, and Spider-Man drops in from the plane, goes in, immediately starts grabbing all the droids and lining them up to destroy them. Right. And um, Mysterio catches wind of this, and as, right when he does, he destroys like the main part of the illusion. So everyone watching this scene no longer sees this like mist cloud monster. They see half a cloud monster and half a bunch of droids. 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 So like, what's going on? Like the illusion is is basically broken, and Mysterio is then gunning for him, and he's gunning for the friends who know about the 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 secret and he's gunning for um nick fury who has been tipped off secretly by happy um so he's ready for that and he he destroys the droid the, no problem the drone no problem they send three kids to kill the they send three drones to kill the kids and one drone to take out nick fury right and they send no further drones to kill to kill nick fury right so but to be fair jake Jell- he's preoccupied with spider-man he's right he's got his own he's got his own things to right he about. doesn't know nick fury he was from another world that's true. <laughs> he doesn't. He knows a little bit about Nick yeah. Fury, but <laughs> right, he doesn't know enough, so he wasn't ready for that. Um, but main main thing that we're following is Spider-Man trying to first destroy the droid, drones, and then he's trying to get right to Mysterio. He's trying to knock out the whole thing, get the glasses back, so he can get back control of the of the Tony Stark uh, systems. And so he works his way through it, and we see we see him grow as Spider-Man, like in front of us in this battle this is his uh this is his like you know thor ragnarok moment where yeah. you know what are you the god what are you the god of again thunder thunder this yeah. is essentially you know like what what insect are you based on spider sense and, <laughs> yeah. and jumping around yeah. and <laughs> spider-man i i, I like we keep I, I keep bringing up spider-man homecoming but like there's times in spider-man homecoming where like you know he'll crash into a building or you know he hasn't figured everything out 
he perfectly executes the jumps by the end of this movie and he just he 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 does so well against these drones it's hard you know, he really he, he really levels figure it up. out yeah but he, he levels up and he's like like okay he's right there with all the other avengers you see it the way that he's handling this um there's one time it almost felt like captain america oh my God, yes. with the hammer yes yes okay yes all right okay and you need to, when i saw yeah, it i was like yeah. we need to talk about yeah, you this take it, you take yeah oh so so there's a movie so there's in the part of the movie he takes down a whole bunch of droids he falls to the ground his web shooters have been damaged yeah he's he's like hiding behind a car on the bridge and and they're trying to shoot him with the drones so what he ends up doing is there's a there's a drone that's emitting this sonic kind of boom that's like pulsating wave yeah. of sound it appears or air or something that like sends things out of the way. So what he does is he grabs and he re-engineers it into and into like a hammer type thing that and grabs a sign from a town and is walking up to yeah. this army of drones by himself with a shield and a hammer and it looks just like Captain America in Endgame with with Mjolnir. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing. Does, and the thing is, he also then fights like Captain America in Endgame by throwing the hammer up and, like, using its... Like, instead of, like, you know, lightning shooting out, sound shoots out of this hammer. Oh, yeah. He, he like, uses the shield. He hits the shield with the hammer. It, that is... It's so out of place for a movie that calls him essentially, like, you're the new Iron Man. The fact that he's, like, acts like Captain America from Endgame for, like, five minutes randomly. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, amazing. it's such an awesome scene. Because I think it also shows, again, the intellect. He's just... No web shooters. He no we- right. He has no weapons anymore. He needs to figure out how to beat this. It's a huge amount of drones, hundreds of drones, all wanted, all shooting at him, and he needs to figure out a way to beat them. And he does it by Jerry, you know, Jerry rigging all this. Yeah, which is very Spider-Man's own, you know, Tony Stark thing to do. And then he turn, you know, he it, he embodies multiple Avengers. When he first at different when times. he first started doing this, I thought of Iron Man three, because. That whole the scene of Iron Man going into Tony Stark going into the Home Depot, yeah, and yeah. then building all that. Right, I love that scene. It, yeah. yeah, and so when he started doing it, I was like, oh, this is like Iron Man three. But then when he stands up against alone versus this army, I was like, oh, oh man, he's Captain America too. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, like sorry, sorry Sam, like yeah, <laughs> sorry Sam Wilson, you're not Captain America anymore either. I guess you're not, you're not, you're no Spider Man. So that was amazing. Crazy scene. Yeah. What a scene. In, and 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 the the drones are going after the kids, but you know it's, it's really all about Spider-Man getting to Mysterio, which he does. He gets to this bridge console where Mysterio has been directing the illusion and sending out all the drones. Um, he catches him by surprise, but then he pulls a little bit too much of a good guy superhero, and he tells him that you know the jig is up, and he doesn't. He doesn't finish him off right there or knock him out, at least, or anything. And so Mysterio is able to call all his drones, shoot Spider-Man away, and now he's far on the other way of this platform. And on all of a sudden, the illusions kick in. And, you know, we're in that dark, cloudy world that he was in before where he got his ass kicked. But this time, he's not fooled. Yeah. This time, the Peter Tingle... Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle, or Spidey Sense, is finally... Takes over. Takes over, and he bobs and weaves and punches his way through and he and you know he avoids everything he makes it you know closer to mysterio completely is able to just essentially go through this like a hot knife go through all the drones like a hot knife through butter and doesn't and eventually gets to mysterio knocks mysterio down is about mysterio's on the ground dying it seems he got caught in the crossfire 
And in a final... You know, as he's giving his I'm dying goodbye speech... Right. Boom. Right. He, he, he reached out with the glasses and says, Peter, you were right. You yeah. know, I was, I was wrong. I'm sorry. You're the next Iron Man. As he's doing that, Peter turns around and grabs the gun from the real Mysterio yeah. who's standing that was about to shoot him. Yeah. As the as this illusion of Mysterio was giving the speech. Yeah. Amazing. So, amazing moment. Shows you so, can't trick me anymore. Yeah. So much Spider-Man growth and skill. And, and then from there, Mysterio dies pretty quickly after it. Um, one thing we see notable for the credits is... Um, one of the the Mysterio goons is like downloading he downloads something illusion downloaded illusion downloaded into his flash drive and he's able to keep whatever was on that yeah computer. whatever's on that but Mysterio is defeated the attack is stopped all the drones go down um, MJ is fine Happy is fine everybody you know pretty much everyone lives everyone the, lives which is which is good like the, you don't need death especially every after time. Endgame. Right. Uh, there were a lot of rumors in this movie that actually uh, Ned was going to die. Yeah. Because apparently, you know, I'm not super familiar, but you know, I heard that he dies in this con- in the story this is adapted from in the comics. Mm-hmm. So a lot there were a lot of rumors that he was going to die, and uh, you know, Tom Holland kind of f- fanned those flames by saying, you know, there's a scene in this movie that's a real gut punch. I think it turns out that's the that's the end credit scene. Yeah. Uh, but. Because I don't think he's talking about the Mysterio twist, because I think everyone knew that. Uh, so it was kind of thought maybe someone was going to die, but I'm kind of happy it didn't, because that's not that's not this version of Spider-Man. Yes, not yet. And you don't need it every time. It, it's not like you're not a serious movie if the main good people don't one of the main good people doesn't die in every movie. Like you need to parse that out, and there needs to be reasons for it. And if the reason was just to make you feel sad by the end of the movie and like be bittersweet, that wouldn't serve a purpose. Especially because I think Marvel had the reputation of nobody stays dead, nobody kills his heroes. This movie was all about the loss of Tony Stark. And right. you really felt the death of him and the finality of it and the fact that he's really gone and they're reconciling with that. So you didn't need to hammer home that death exists in this universe. Yeah. So... All right, so that, that's pretty much the movie. MJ yeah. and MJ and Peter kiss. They turn out, oh, they like each other. Right. Um, and they go on a on a swing date, and we get to the uh, teen romance finds a way. Teen romance, yeah. The power of teen boners is strong. Cool. Cinema sins. Yeah. Uh, so now we get to the end credit scene, which yes. is this is this the best end credit scene in the MCU? Um, I'm trying to think of a better one. I don't. I can't think of one that was more important. Definitely. I mean, there's there's a uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp with him stuck in the quantum realm. Yeah, quantum realm. As the dust goes, that's, that kind of told that's us pretty some stuff. Quant- that's pretty important. Um, Doctor Strange giving beer to Thor was was cool. It was funny. Was fun. But this is, I think. Yeah, this is the gut punch. This is the gut punch, and it, it's really it's it's a gut punch. It's like ah, one two. So Spider-Man is is meeting MJ for their their date or their web swinging afternoon. So basically, he swings MJ all around, and the movie ends with them from from Grand Central to Penn Station, all New York sites. Right, and the movie ends with pretty much them. That's it. They're swinging, yeah. and the movie cuts credits, and uh, end credit scene is essentially the end of that. Yeah. Where Peter's like, "All right, I gotta go." He's, he's like, in, "I gotta go be Spider-Man." 
and then all of a sudden on the jumbotron of Madison Square Garden in Penn Station <laughs> comes local news and then uh, J- a J. Jonah Jameson a J. Jonah Jameson is back same actor still played by uh, J.K. Simmons yep um, an iconic role from the first Spider-Man trilogy they parted with the, the toupee of hair or whatever he had yeah, to win the first time nice. um, but, but now it's the Daily Bugle dot net instead of a uh, newspaper <laughs> which makes sense you know updating it a bit the con brought to you this news brought to you by the controversial uh yeah. news outlet daily bugle yeah right and 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 he's all on the spider-man causes all this destruction classic classic j jonah jameson nagging on spider-man which is which is which is more fun than anything else but then we get the news report of a last message from mysterio and it's essentially a shaky cam selfie uh video of him saying for some reason, Spider-Man attacked me. Yeah. He's in control of all these drones. And and then we get the words of Spider-Man taken out of context from the movie of drones execute. In the movie, it's drones turn off, the, execute. E, the uh, program says to Peter, shall I execute all shutdown protocols? And Peter responds, yes, execute them, execute them. And using this illusion technology they have it's they have it uh just from the one point of view where it's like who's should i you know should i fire at them yes Yes, execute execute. so now he's the mass murderer who's killed all these people in london killed mysterio and then the last shoe to drop mysterio says and i know spider-man's true identity is peter and they really do a fake out because he says like you're hoping you're out, hoping and it, it doesn't come up it grays out it's static yeah. and you're like okay so they're not actually gonna and then he comes back and yeah. he says peter parker and they and have she... a picture of tom holland's face in the news yeah so there's no there's no getting around that people then, know who spider-man and goes is. to black goes to credits and it goes amazing to so i there's so much to unpack here about what the this end credit scene what the future is i've been thinking about this i actually I'm not sure where they go, where they go from here, but it's almost. I really hope they don't. I hope Spider-Man doesn't become. I, I understand that there are people who are going to believe this, and this might be a good villain motivation for someone in the future that does believe this. Right. Like a Zemo type, where, oh, they, uh, someone, died, my family died in this in the London attacks, and I want revenge. But I can't imagine that anyone. That this is like a major. This causes you know legal issues or whatever for Spider-Man because. It, in the movie, I don't think the movie supports it because you see that you see the illusionary aspect of Mysterio's fighting. And I don't think, and this goes into, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later about my problems with Mysterio. They don't give him enough time. So, so why would Mysterio have more credence than Spider-Man in this if it's a he said she said? So I'm not really, I'm I'm really interested to see where they go. I hope they yeah. don't act like oh everyone just automatically believes Mysterio because especially because the way they play it. Daily Bugle comes out. He doesn't like he doesn't like Spider-Man. That's kind of always been his thing. Right. He's hated Spider-Man, but people like Spider-Man. It might end up being where a lot of the world doesn't like Spider-Man, but New York still likes him. Might yeah. have some of that. Maybe he has to reprove himself. It's a very difficult. It's a difficult thing. I think it. I think it will bring. I, I think it will cause an early Peter Parker MJ breakup. I think he might do a. 
uh, I need to protect you so we can't be close kind of thing. Because right. that element is now part is now introduced, it's true. which has never been. I mean, in the in the old Tommy McGuire's MJ seemingly got into way more trouble than she needed to for not knowing Spider-Man's secret. But now, but now that MJ knows it, it's like she's really she's really in danger. Especially by yeah. So this this is almost a twofold reveal by Mysterio. You have the one the pl- the actual implication of spider-man that spider-man is guilty of these horrendous crimes but also they're just the reveal of who spider-man is right there's yeah there's two facts that people can believe or not um i think they could definitely fight the spider-man as a mass murderer illusion you know claim like some people will believe it but that might be mixed but i uh, yeah knowing who spider-man is I, yeah. I think that's gonna be hard. Again, but it's not like Spider-Man's done such a great job protecting his identity. You know, MJ figures it out. I think I think Flash is pretty close to figuring it out. Uh, especially, you know, if ha- I think it's very easy to, if they want to go this way. It's very easy to, you know, Happy says I'm in love with Spider-Man's aunt. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if he ever sees him and Aunt May together. Right. That's kind of. <laughs> yeah. So it was almost kind like of, the secret was falling apart. Yeah. And but, he's the only. He is the only MCU character that has a secret identity. Well, how about how about right? well, what about one of the greatest? Um, I think he is, or had one. Yeah, now he doesn't. But yeah, I mean, you know, Doctor Strange uses his real name because uh, everyone's lives have been changed to become superhero all the time. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, th- I can't think of another one right now that has a. A separate superhero identity and puts on you know the mask to protect his fam his friends and family right uh like spider-man does so now that's obviously gone i oh i want in the realm of him protecting who spider-man is that it's one of it's one of my favorite it was one of my favorite misdirections uh of this movie when at the end of the movie peter's doing the you know i've learned a lot about and, and he's setting up this i am spider-man did you, did you feel this when they're they're building up to this I am Spider-Man? Um, to to say to MJ, yeah. To not to say to MJ, but to almost say like it, to the press conference in the world. When it, it ends up being he's just talking to he's just talking to Happy and he's talking to May about their dating life, but the way he prefaces it, they're really yes. and he says I am and it kind of cuts to his face, zooms right. in on his face. It's really set up for an I am Spider-Man. Uh, like an I am Iron Man scene from right. Iron Man One, and then they they go in a different direction. But it's kind of funny that you know they play with your emotions that way. You think, oh, he's gonna say it, and then it gets revealed to him, obviously outside of his power. So, uh, kind of really fascinated by it. Yeah. About that part. Yeah, I think I think that'll be interesting. He's he has no choice but to be Spider Man, if people start believing that that's true. Exactly. All right. So obviously we've talked a lot about some good parts in the movie. Yeah. Why don't we, let's talk about and we've hinted at what we don't like about it. So let's let's talk about the the worst part of the movie. For, yeah, for I us. and I think I think we kind of agreed that the execution of the the whole Mysterio betrayal, the twist. Yeah, the twist is what we felt like could could, could have been done po- better. Possibly have been done better in in what is otherwise a really great movie. So I think I think the the reason why is twofold. One or why it doesn't work for us at least twofold. One. Uh, why do a twist? Everyone knows Mysterio's evil. Yeah, if you if you followed comic books or you followed like 
the 1990s TV show, in my case, like, you know that Mysterio is one of those rogues gallery villains. And, and I mean, even if you don't, you know, everybody, it's it's almost, when you cast a superhero, a yeah. superhero movie, the most famous person that wasn't in the last superhero movie that's in this movie yeah. is going to be the villain. Especially when you didn't cast a different villain. Like, obviously Mysterio was the villain. Yeah. You know, they weren't going to have... An, had. It, I mean, maybe I'm a sap. There was, like, nine-tenths of me was, was waiting for Mysterio to be revealed the whole time. One-tenth of me thought, well, maybe this multiverse is real, and maybe maybe villains can be good guys in this, in this universe now, too. But it, it didn't stick around very long. They did do some, some sort of... Uh different they, they've done they did some sort of press where oh yeah we we hype we talked about multiverse theory doctor strange and the avengers yeah. and game and and some of that stuff so and you know people have speculated that multi the multiverse theory would be a great way to introduce the x-men into the mcu mm-hmm. while not you know destroying what the mcu is because i think if you introduce mutants to the same world as the mcu you were like why weren't they here before why weren't they you have the why weren't they here before problem right uh which is because x-men are not like even in X-Men, they're not really a secret. Like, there's a there's a university of mutants. So right. people kind of know that that's And especially thing. if you're... It also... If they exist the whole time, even if they're good at being secret, you know, how does Doctor Strange not know about them? How does Nick Fury not know about them? It would just raise a whole lot of questions. So I thought... I thought that maybe there was a chance, but then as, as you go up to it and there was no other... See, if they cast another person that as, like, a villainous character, what they could have done was they could have hyped him as, this guy's the villain and had him be the villain in, like, the first quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then just scrap him real quick and have Mysterio be the actual villain. Right. Because, but for now, I, I, I don't know, I wasn't... Yeah, we had a faceless villain, which made us suspect about it. Yeah, automatically, at least to me, was that this the Elementals are not the actual villain of this movie. Right. Especially with Marvel has got so much so much criticism for their you know faceless villains from the early you know from the first Thor it's really you know Loki is like eh, villain but it's mostly the guy who fights is the uh is that the destroyer robot right the destroyer robot and then the dark elves which is just like red smoke flying around yeah so, so they got some criticism for having these faceless villains and they weren't going to have another faceless villain so I don't know. I, and it and it was and you did and the other part of predictability was like you didn't you didn't feel like you had a great final battle and you knew that there was going to be something. Well, it was anti it was anti it was climactic if if there was no twist. Especially because you know Jake Gyllenhaal he's like should have done this earlier. He goes in and he takes down the fire monster in approximately three seconds. Right. Like and he doesn't yeah, die. And he doesn't die. He doesn't even he's not even that it, wounded. There's not even a fake death. Yeah, so, yeah, he doesn't, you know, act like he's dead or grievously injured or anything. He's right. pretty much fine. He's got a little scratched up, but there's no there's no real big climactic act. And, it's again, it's also, just from a movie perspective, it's like halfway through the movie. You know, it's, you know how long the movie is. The movie, it's about halfway through. It's pretty right. early on in the movie. It's not, right. it's not the climax of the movie. So we know there's another shoe to drop. Um... But I honestly don't think that really would have bothered me that much had they just done it a little better. In 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 what way? Like, just admit to the audience that he's he's a, a bad guy? No, I think if you're going to go in on a betrayal, and the and they're, that's what they're hyping this up as, and, you know, t- uh, after 
you know, Peter, Tony dies, so surrogate father dies, and the Tony stand-in betrays him. I think that's what they're kind of shooting for. I think we could have just had a few, if we had a few more scenes with Peter as bonding with him and spending time together and really growing to trust him and maybe having a few more of this, those science-based conversations and a few more just conversations where he sees that this guy is this guy's Tony Stark and especially yeah. the way they set up this Mysterio with in terms of his when he worked for Stark he can mirror Stark's personality he can they could have set it up better where it was it just felt rushed to me yeah, I, I, I agree, and, and I think the, the, their bond was about love of science and, like, technology and intelligence, and, you know, maybe there could have been, because he, he spent, what time we did see him was, like, being supportive of Spider-Man not being a superhero anymore, and that was obviously, like, self-serving when you right. see the betrayal, but it might have been more believable, and it there might have been an argument for it, like, you are you're really smart you you shouldn't just be out there you know sweeping in to 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 help the local neighborhood you should you should save the world in your own way like you're more you're more than in a peaceful way you're more than muscle and they could have made the argument you know he could have probably made a really good argument about being like a scientist for real and like really trying to figure out ways to help the world without being a superhero and i think it would have been also more more akin to the uh because Tony Stark, a lot of Tony Stark's thing, even you know, from the first Avengers, I'm the only clean, I'm the only name in clean energy right now. A lot of his stuff was not just, you know, he made his fortune in the military, but it was about abandoning the military aspects right. of it. And right. all really we see of Edith, the artificial intelligence, was the military components, was the drones, was the airstrikes. We didn't see so much of the the good uses of it. Mm-hmm. We saw more. So I think if we had Mysterio using his own scientific knowledge and basically serving as the science mentor that Peter and Tony never really they hinted at, but they never really got to develop, if we saw that, then then Peter could have said, listen, I want, you know, I have these glasses. I want to do good for the world, and I'm learning, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to, I want to do it, but I'm 16. You're already this super smart guy from this other universe, and, you, you know, you're there, Tony Stark. You've you saved, you know, you did all this stuff with science. You know yeah. all this stuff. You take it and run with it, and I'll follow you, you know. And I think that would have been more convincing than what we got was essentially, well, you're you're a guy who came in, saved the day. I've known you again. They so it takes place. The movie takes place where they interact in Venice once. They meet in the cave and then it's said or the caverns or wherever they are right invent underneath the ground catacombs or yeah Venice. the movie's maybe a week and a half or two weeks of yeah. timeline yeah and and basically they only meet the, between the betrayal and when they meet is it's two days yeah they I have think. they have two, and they don't spend they have two conversations and only one of them one on one which is when he gives him the the glasses exactly I I just I either think we needed a a montage of of them working together or a even if they had spent those two days together because they didn't spend the two days together yeah they were two days apart just and and maybe like even like a even like a mysterious vision for the future like a fake vision for the future something to convince uh, yeah. Peter Peter that 
that's what he believes in and that's what he wants you know this power to go towards right i think more than they almost made a negative case for you know peter doesn't want it because he doesn't he's not ready to be a superhero so he just wants to give it away I think that's a li- that was a little bit unfair to who th- what they've developed, and especially his relationship with Tony. Right. That they should have made a better positive case for this Mysterio. Yeah, I mean, the lesson that Peter learns the hard way that could have been even more believable is is the quote from Captain America: "Civil War, the safest hands are still our own." You right. Know, he he tried to give away this power, and what he learns by the end of this movie, because he then he then doesn't give the glasses away and doesn't give them to. To Nick Fury, Nick Fury or, or, or anyone else who doesn't no. turn off all the satellites. There was a moment where I thought he would just like tell the system to self-destruct. He keeps it for himself. He still has it. He's they're keeping that in the future. He'll still yeah. have, he still has that technology. I mean, I don't think he's launching assassinations, but he you know maybe he wants a suit flown halfway across the world. I think we may see more of those kind of good applications in the future. Movies yes, as he becomes the next Tony Stark, not just the next Iron Man, right? The next you know name and clean energy and what have you. Right. So, so those were our kind of missed moments, least favorite. But talking a little bit about what we liked most about the movie. Yeah, Nick, why don't you go into yeah. your favorite aspect of the movie? I think the, like the the essential truth to the comics was our and and the, and the nature of these characters, both Spider-Man and Mysterio, was definitely the favorite part. I mean, I'll talk a little bit about Mysterio. Mysterio's like story, however he's introduced in whatever medium. Is always that he's a smart guy, um, you know, technology-driven guy, and he wants the recognition, he wants the fame, and he 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 misses out on it, and so he, like almost universally, he he will create some scenario that he saves the day, and look at me, I'm Mysterio, I'm this great guy, and you know, Spider-Man will or who you know whoever starts it off will will reveal that there's more to it, and then. From then on, Mysterio is is just a kind of a trickster villain. Um, but this did the perfect same arc, and they played up the scale because of all the Avengers movies that we've seen. So the scale was even bigger. It wasn't like one small event. It was this world event that he Avengers level event that he tried to create. Right. That's cl- those words. But that's classic Mysterio. Also, also, you know, perfect with the character was was those illusion scenes. Right. That, you know. Mysterio is all about like the colorful, mind-altering illusion, um, and they ex- the visuals on that were amazing. So I think the Mysterio character was done perfectly, and Gyllenhaal was like an interesting person to watch. Yeah, Gyllenhaal he was almost playing a. Uh, it's almost like this was the rejected his rejected reel of his Tony Stark. Uh, audition mm-hmm. as Mysterio right. which, yeah. which really worked because that's the, that's what he was trying to be he was trying to be early to Tony Stark that's what this Mysterio character was and again for all the criticisms of him the fact that I wish we spent a little bit more time and wish his motivations were a little bit clearer I really like the end result of it because yeah, I thought he was really good mm-hmm. that's the scene where the illusions are actually the scenes where the illusions are working and all the things that he's throwing at Peter and he's trying to that, that, that's just an amazing visual scene. That's, again, getting back to the best parts of a Doctor Strange. It's disorienting, but not where you're like, my head hurts, I don't want to watch it, but it's disorienting and where you get to place yourself in the character. Yeah. In, of Peter Parker, and you're like, this... It, it feels... You get a hopelessness watching it, which... Yeah, you want to tell him, like, these are illusions, but then you you still don't know what's the right thing to do because yeah, what is real. Yeah, you feel like yourself. Like, you, you feel this loss of, like... 
I, you can't even know what's up, what's down, what's real, what's fake. It really does, like, it's it's kind of dark when you think about it, but it works in this, like, because, again, it's the, that's the darkest part of the movie. It happens at the nadir of his character. Right. Uh, so, going to that truth in the comics, I love, again, not as, you know, much into the comics as the movies, but I, I like the way they've they kept Peter Parker, they kept Spider-Man as the way, as as his character where he's you know he, he has this overwhelming conf- this conflict of living as a again he's the only character who keeps a secret identity or tries to keep a secret identity he has this he, he wants to be live his life he wants to be a normal high school kid at the same time he feels like uh, the speech he gives spider-man in civil war uh, the speech he gives to iron man in civil war i think is you know if you if you can you know, the bad things happen to people and you can stop them, then isn't it your fault for not stopping them? Yeah. He has kind of the same, he always has that weight on his shoulders, which I think is very true to just the character of Spider-Man. That even though he he may want these things, the guilt and the weight of things that he needs to do or feels like he needs to do is always there. Yeah, Spider-Man is a great character to build like the moral compass of the next phase of Marvel and the right. next phase of Avengers around because he's one of the most direct he's like his his whole gr- with great power comes great responsibility arc is just you know it, it, it's always carrying with him and there was a there was a nice little little moment um when he's packing his suitcase and the initials on his suitcase say BF Parker like Ben Parker like his his uncle so he's carrying his uncle's suitcase. It's like he's still bringing yeah. that that upbringing with him. It's very subtle, not you know, very time. subtle. You know, they didn't say the name or anything. Um, you know, it makes you believe the the Captain America battle scene a little bit more. Like like they they made Spider Man a little bit of everyone. Yeah, I think I think again, it, obviously because the MCU is now he's not you know Spider Man from the comics, but I think. This, this Spider-Man, I think more so than just being, when I say a well-represented, you know, a, a true Spider-Man, I mean, he's or this version is organic. Yes. I believe that based on the Spider-Man from the comics, what you know of Spider-Man after the events of Civil War, Infinity War, Homecoming, and Endgame, this is the Spider-Man that would result. Yeah. This one that has these conflicts, but that still feels this urge to do right that believes that has learned from the he's learned from Captain America morality he's learned every you know, bunch of stuff from Tony Stark he's learned from May he's learned from he's just he he's a guy who he learns from everyone he makes these mistakes but I think that it, the mistakes of trusting it's it's in character yes I think none of them is none of the mistakes are like I don't care it's always it's always like a justification of and Someone can take on the responsibility. What he learns is that he needs to take on the responsibility. And even, even when he says, for the glasses, he, he parses the language of the glasses. Of Tony Stark writes him a note of... For the next for the next Iron Man, he didn't next, say that it was me. For the next Iron Man. He didn't say, Peter, you're the next Iron Man. He just said, give these to the next Iron Man. So, or the next, he said the next Tony Stark, which I think is an important distinction. But for the next Tony Stark, and that's when he tries to justify to himself because he thinks he's doing the right thing. He sees, and this is a thing I wish the movie would have done, and it kind of gets there. So this is more of like a, a slighter 
slighter thing. I think it could they could have uh, rang the bell a little bit on it. When they say Peter, when Peter and Happy are having their emotional speech, and Peter's saying to him, you know, I didn't believe because of all the mistakes I made that Tony knew. You know, why would he choose me? Whatever. And then Happy says to him, you know, of all the he Tony second guessed himself constantly, but um, you know, the one thing he didn't second guess was choosing you. I would have liked a little rehash of because this is something that's been pointed out a lot in the in, you know the Marvel fandom how yeah. many of the Avengers is prob how all the Avengers slash Iron Man movies are essentially Tony causes a problem Tony fixes it yeah and I think it was very much true for as the next Iron Man for Peter Parker to cause a problem but then to fix it yeah yeah Spider Man movies have done that even yeah Spider Man the this was all the the act three was a spider-man problem called caused by spider-man fixed right. by spider-man yeah very again like i said akin to uh you know an ultron a mm-hmm. even iron man three well or... that's that's the that's because he's the he's a creator he's got a different right. he's got a different role to play than some of the other characters which have their own depth but are but do but do different things and it has, you know, happened to a lesser extent for the other characters, but I think it especially works as an ex-Iron Man, where you know you make you make a you 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 inadvertently create a problem. All the problems that that Tony created were inadvertent. He didn't mean to make a an artificial intelligent bent death robot on destroying the world. Right. He wanted to put a shield around the world, which turns out the world needed. You know, yeah. with, with Thanos, see, right. it, it needed. Ultron was a version of Ultron was necessary, but he it was a it was a well-meaning mistake, and this Peter it was a well it, maybe you can make an argument that it was a little bit of self-interest because he wanted to have this vacation, but at that moment he legitimately saw facing these elementals how outclassed he was with just who he was as a as a hero at the time having just his web shooters he wasn't up to fighting these elementals like Mysterio was, and so at that moment I think he legitimately thought. Here are the glasses. I'm doing the right decision. Turns out it was a mistake, but it was a well-meaning one. Right. Which I think is, again, you know, they're looking for the next Iron Man. Thematically, they found one. <laughs> right. They found one. He uh, he he's known publicly to the world, even in a way he doesn't like. Um, wasn't right. ready for. He's on the um, mask now. He's defeated another villain. He's de- he's defeated another human villain. Um, it seems like he's ready to take on some you know super powered villains or, or cosmic villains at this point it does seem that I'm, I'm very interested to see where where they go with everything uh on, a, on, a, on a mcu wise yeah uh especially now i think the next phase is getting announced sometime in the next month or two uh which would be really interesting because yeah, we've probably that. heard rumors of you know all the sequels black panther 2 uh captain marvel 2 obviously yeah you got guardians 3 Thor 4, I think it was been, it was announced. I think it's a little unclear, the separation between those. And where does and other, with the exception of Black Panther, all of those are, are pretty space movies. Uh, yeah. Especially the new the Nova the potential Nova movie. Right, because the scale has gone up over time. Um, I mean Black Panther, with all the technology, can maybe cut it with the rest of them. Yeah, you definitely but, could. But yeah. But where does Spider-Man fit into that? That right. world, right? Especially because you know you're more some of your more grounded heroes like Cap, like a Captain America, are are gone now. Yeah, 
Uh, oh, one last thing before before we go. Is uh, is Captain America dead? Um, I think they told people he's dead, and he's actually retired. Because okay. you know we've we've met old Captain America. I don't we've think there's any. Cap. I don't think there's any reason to think that old Captain America passed away in the last six months. Um, he does have the super soldier serum after all. Um, right. but I think, I think his superhero days are over, but okay. I'm, I'm holding out hope for a little, you know, words of wisdom to the young hero. I think is if they can ever get Chris Evans back, I'm, I'm, I'm personally waiting for a use of, uh, they send Chris Evans through that van and get a young Chris Evans back. Yeah. I, I, I also appreciated that they, they, in the montage tribute, they included vision. Yeah. I was surprised. Because, I was very surprised because Ooh. I think everyone forgot about vision and I liked him. I'm, you know, he gets the the one line in Endgame from yeah. uh, from Scarlet Witch. He actually did die five years earlier in the story. Like he was dead then. Right. So it's nice that they still remembered him five years later. He died in right. The context. Before, he died of, right before the snap. In the context of everyone who died after the snap. Right. Exactly. And then they have the three you know, three heroes who died uh, there. Yeah, but when I saw Captain America, I was a little thrown because I was I because obviously they show Tony Stark first and they show Black Widow. Yeah. And they show I, Vision. I I feel like. Uh, you know, Falcon and uh, everybody else just kept his secret that he didn't that he didn't that make he, it back. That he he lived the normal him. life. That makes sense. I like uh, I like that headcanon. And I, it also leaves the, leaves it open to maybe bring him. I back. like knowing that Captain America is out there somewhere. He's out there being uh, being vigilant. So that was Spider Man Far From Home. Pretty excellent movie all around. Next, we're going to take it over to DC Extended Universe for a little bit. We're going to review Shazam, and then we'll probably come back for some more Marvel movies. Um, if you like the show, have comments, be sure to check us out, uh, Nasmo Podcast on Twitter, uh, and let us know, and uh, stay tuned.